0: But today, I'm excited about that behind me, but I'm really, really excited for today. Today is going to be a lot, a lot of fun uh, this morning. Um, I do believe, I've been praying for this morning, I do believe that God is going to speak um, very loudly this morning. And for some of us, maybe, it will, we'll hear God's voice for the very first time ever, or very first time in a really long time. Today is a really important day for us and a day that I've been preparing and thinking about for the last couple weeks and did not want to miss having the opportunity to come and talk with you this morning. This summer, we have been going, uh, we are uh, doing a summer series called The Spiritual Effect. And that's not a mistake, of the A and E. Um, that's actually uh, a letter. And it's this idea that, uh, do you know the difference between affect and effect, Right? So affect is if I push this bottle, that's the affect I would have on it. The effect would be it hitting the ground and exploding on the ground. So everything has an action and a reaction. And so what we've done for the summer is said, let's go ahead and look at some of these big things in the Christian faith that should have a spiritual affect effect on us. And I use the example of that. I took my girls to go see Aladdin a couple weeks ago and we saw it again this weekend, and they went and saw Aladdin, and they had seen kind of parts of it on the TV kind of growing up, and so they knew maybe some of the songs. They could tell you the characters, but they'd never really sat down and watched the whole movie of Aladdin from start to finish, Um, but they knew generally parts of it, and I said oftentimes in our Christian faith journey, that can be our story as well, where we get some pictures of like some 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 of these big blockbuster things that we're supposed to know about, but we've never taken the time to consider and to slow down and to really focus in on actually why they are important. And so last week, Jason did a really good job talking about just wh- how central prayer is to the life of the believer. And then last w- the week before that, we talked about the Trinity, maybe one of the most overlooked doctrine in all of the Christian faith, is how selfless the doctrine of the Trinity is and how you and I are designed and created right in the middle of that to reflect that selfless nature in this world. And so this morning is another really big one and just central for us uh, uh, to, um, to walk out, to have an effect in our lives. And so specifically this morning, what we're going to talk about is the Bible. And if you have a friend or family member that came to you and said, okay, so like I understand that you are a follower of Jesus, but I don't understand why do y'all make such a big deal about the Bible? Why is it such a significant thing for y'all? How would you answer? What would you say about that? Why do we hold the Bible so central for our Christian faith? Well, I would imagine that a lot of your answers depend on how you view the, what the Bible actually is. For example, if you view the Bible as an instruction manual, you're going to treat it as an instruction manual. And, uh, although that might be helpful and give us some good implications of what the Bible does, when was the last time you took out an instruction manual and found life in an instruction manual (laughs) and thought, this is just the best thing I've ever read? Um, Some of us might say that the Bible is God's love letter to us. And so we might approach it as a love letter written from God to us. It's a letter that happened that that he's given to us for us to understand. Uh, No doubt for some of us in here, we have experienced the Bible. Some people have approached it as a weapon and they use it to push a political agenda or a... Um, certain conviction or an understanding and they actually wield the Bible like it's a sword and they use it to attack people and things. Uh, and obviously, some of us came in here with very little exposure to it while some of us kind of grew up with the Bible kind of around. But I want to ask you a central question for us this morning. Go ahead. Could it be that we are coming at the Bible the wrong way and for the wrong Reasons? Could it be that we are coming at the Bible the wrong way for the wrong reasons? All right, so it is Father's Day, and so I went by Chick's Meat Market yesterday. And uh, have y'all been by Chick's Meat Market yet? Oh boy, it is really good. Well, I got this nice big old cut of steak right there from Chick's Meat Market, and I don't know much about it, but it was expensive. So it has to be really good, right? So it's like the grass-fed, dust of angels' wings, like cut of meat, whatever that is. That's that's why they priced it so high, but it is fantastic, right? Doesn't that look really, really good? Like we would all look forward to, like mm, that looks really good. Now, some of you tree huggers in here might, uh, uh, this is um, Morning Star Farms no, 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 that's gross. No, I know you, Susie, over there. Got your uh, garden veggie patty, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Look at this thing. Some of you over there are like, that looks really good. <laughs> yeah. um, but here, here's kind of the idea. Like, if you're driving home in the evening, and you're thinking about dinner, what are you going to be most excited coming home to? Right? 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 Like everybody loves steak. It's the it's like so good. Like I mean, it's fantastic, right? But but here's what I here's what I want to suggest to you, us this morning. What you believe is prepared for you determines how you approach it. What you believe is prepared for you determines how you approach it. I come home and this is on my table. I'm I mean. I'm, I'm walking in the door kind of crotchy, let me be honest. This, come, this comes home and I'm coming home and I'm pretty dang excited. That's a, good, that's a good night for John right there, right? But what you believe is prepared for you determines how you approach it. And I believe that when we are talking about this book real specifically, um, that this book right here is God's active voice in humanity. Meaning that his voice, this is a voice that has spoken and a voice that still speaks forward or still speaks today. And that when we approach this book, this is not a history book that we study to remind us just of a history of people, but this is God's active voice in the world. This is God's primary way, primary agent of maturing you, of growing you up, of revealing himself to you, to showing you who you are, to showing you what he believes about you. But what you believe is prepared for you determines how you approach it. And let's be real honest. This is not an easy book to understand. In fact, if you started to read it from left to right, um, you know it's not designed to be read that way, right? Like, this is actually not one book. This is actually a library of books, actually 66 books total that um, are divided into two primary sections, an Older Testament as well as a Newer Testament as well, written by over 40 authors, written over the course of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, written in, three different languages and did you know that not every book in here is the exact same there are different literary styles that we see in this book there is historical accounts there are poems there's love stories there are personal letters there are letters to churches there are even books in this bible that don't mention god's name one time and we hold them as holy and sacred and as god's word This book is remarkable. In fact, this book right here has been printed over 60 or 6 billion times virtually in every language known on the face of this earth. Literally, 6 billion, and that's before we even had an app for it. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty remarkable that it has, uh, been, we have that much exposure to it and people literally will dedicate their lives to understanding just this one book. It's that complicated. And that simple where you can sit down with your kids and they can hear God's heart. Um, I don't know what your experience is with this book and, maybe how you grew up with it or what your traditions was. But uh, uh, in my house, we have Bibles kind of everywhere. And this is uh, my little girl's Bible. This is my oldest girl, Ryan's Bible, um, that she will take to Pine Cove this week. And um, this is a beginner's Bible. Or if you're a new follower of Christ, these are great places to start, too. I highly recommend this if you're a new believer, too, because it gives you kind of the 20,000-foot view story of what God's up to. But I read this to my girls at nighttime, and we roll through these stories, and they can tell you the different people and tell you the different stories. And we read this one together. Uh, This one right here is one that I got when I graduated um, from seminary. And they gave me this Bible and uh, it's really meaningful to me. It was the end of a long road, a long, long road of commuting back and forth for five years. And so this Bible really means a lot to me, a a big accomplishment in my life. But this one right here uh, is probably one of my favorites. This is my uh, great, great grandfather's Bible who was a Methodist pastor. And I, I, I literally cannot even open this Bible. It, 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 it just comes apart. And I think about how, how beautiful that is that um, my great-great-grandfather just feasted on God's word, that he was somebody that just made this central for who he was and the way that he positioned himself in life. And so I don't think that in in the course of human history, we've never had a time in history where we've had more access to God's active voice in this world than any other time in the course of history. I mean, we are incredibly unfortunate. There is nothing, literally nothing stopping you from picking up a Bible, nothing, nothing. And that's not true for all of the world. There are parts of the world where it's actually illegal to own God's word. And so when it comes to understanding what this book is and the importance of it, I'm just convinced that I don't think we have an access problem. I think we have an interest problem. I don't think that the problem is that we just don't have access to God's word. I think we have an interest problem. I think that you and I sorry, Susie, have been been sold this stripped down version of God's word that we think is gonna leave us unsatisfied. And we don't understand how beautiful and rich and how this is the thing that your soul actually is longing for, is to hear God's voice speak to you. You see, it's not an access problem I think it's an interest problem. Could it be that you and I have approached the Bible the wrong way with the, for the wrong reasons because we don't understand what's prepared for us? This morning, I want us to, I'm going to put this in here because I'm going to eat it later. Uh, uh, this morning, I want us to really push into this understanding is that this book right here, this book right here, is God's active voice in this world. It's the way he wants to mature you. It's the way he wants to grow you. It's the way that he wants to reveal himself to you. It's the way he wants to um, change you to to grow your family up in maturity. And I want us approaching it like it's something that's precious, something that is just gonna really satisfy our souls. And so um, this morning... Uh, we're going to look at a little scripture and kind of dig in. But before we do that, we're going to say the Shema. And so if you are visiting this morning or our guest, we say the Shema on Sunday morning. Uh, Shema simply means to listen. It's a declaration that's found in the book of Deuteronomy, as well as when some of the followers of Jesus say, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus quotes part of the Shema, Um, to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we say just the first couple of lines in Hebrew, that's the language that Jesus would have known it in. And we think it's powerful to have Jesus's words in the language he would have known it on our lips. We say it as a way to prepare our hearts to receive God's word. Oftentimes in our community, we have a, a little fun tradition that you'll see people raise their pinky like this. And that's because um, we are very forgetful people. And all throughout the Older Testament, you have this imagery where it says, the hand of God or the finger of God. And the picture is there, there's enough power to transform the world and your very life in God's smallest finger. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand and say the Shema with us as we prepare ourselves um, to receive God's words. Let's say the uh, Shema together. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ka. Hear, o Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. God, we love you. We bless you, God. We open ourselves up to your word, God. We don't want to be encouraged this morning. We want to be transformed, God. We want to come out of our time meeting with you, looking more like you. May you give us eyes to see things we've never seen before so that we can do things we've never done before. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. All right, brothers, sisters. So we're gonna be over in... um Psalms 119, which is the longest verse in all of the Bible. So we're going to go through it for about the next 45 minutes in Hebrew, because I know it's just going to stir your heart's affection up for the Lord this morning. Um, We're not doing that. Uh, But we're going to look over at Psalms 119 and look at just a couple of handful of verses. Um, It's important for you to know that Psalms was written by uh, David. And uh, there's lots of things that we know about David. David was somebody that was said to have a... Uh, heart after God's own heart. Yeah. That David was, had a heart after God's own heart. And so we know that despite he was a murderer and adulterer. And so it speaks really beautiful about the grace and the forgiveness of a all loving God to us as, as people. And so I love it just tells of a redemption, the redemption of God. And so Psalms 119, if you're looking over at your scripture, if you have your Bibles this morning, you may be kind of looking at Psalms 119 and you will see the about over every six or seven verses, you see the this these funny words, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, dalet, Vav, Het, Det, zan Tet. That is the Hebrew alphabet over about every six or seven verses that you will see in chapter 119. The tradition was, Uh, is that this verse King David used to teach his children the ABCs. And so I did not know that. I thought that was a really beautiful thing. So he used Psalms 119 to teach his kids the ABCs or how to read and also the spiritual ABCs about how do you and I begin to engage God's word. And so he uses Psalms 119 as kind of a model or of a reference for how you and I can begin to engage God's word. And so we're going to read some of those together. And so we're going to be Psalms 119, verse 97 to, uh, to start with, and I'll read it to us. It says this, "'Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies.' for they are my constant uh, guide. David says, I sit with your words and I hold on to them. When people push on me, when things come at me, it's fine because I have tucked your word inside of my heart. When things come at me, I know who I am because I've sat with your words and I've listened and they've become part of my identity. Verse 99, yes, I have more insight than all of my teachers for I'm always thinking about your laws. I am even wiser than my elders for I have kept all your commandments. What I think is kind of funny is I'm like, David, that sounds real humble of you, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I'm wiser than all the teachers. I'm wiser than all the elders. And I think just at first glance, it may be tempting for us to actually think that until you dig one layer beneath the surface about what David's heart really is. I think what he's actually saying is when stuff goes wrong, when the stuff hits the ceiling, when you're in trouble, when you're in pain, who, where do you go first? And what I think David is saying, it's not I'm wiser than the teachers, I'm wiser than the elders because I'm smarter than them. I think what he's saying is I'm wiser than teachers and I'm wiser than the elders because I've met with my God. And I've heard his heart and there is a wisdom that can only come from God. And I believe that's what David is speaking towards about this deep knowing in his gut that comes because he's met face to face with Jesus, with God. I believe that's what he is referring to right there. Now, uh, a couple of things that get highlighted just in this one little section, and we'll move along. Um, but a couple of different times it says, "I think about your commandments all day long. I am always thinking about your law." So another way to translate that would be, um, "I meditate on your on your words." Now. Statistically speaking, how many of us would actually say that that's a normal rhythm of our lives, that we actually meditate on God's words, right? That's uh, uh, not an accusation against us, but maybe an invitation for us to think about. When you meditate, you're moving slow enough where the words of God literally begin to work their way down in you where they begin to work their way down into your gut, where they work your way into your mind, where they begin to transform your, not, your mind. And we do that by meditating on the ba- the, one of the greatest parts of this passage that David says is, is I meditate on God's words. I meditate on, I let them not just be external, but somehow through meditating on, they become part of who I am who I am. Now, there are lots of different ways to approach the Bible um, and lots of ways that I think are really good. Has anyone ever done like the Bible in the year challenge before, right? That's not going slow. <laughs> that is like full gas to the full, f- pedal to the metal all year. I mean, that is not moving slow through the Bible. I think it has its place and it can be a, a good thing. But what I think you see what David's saying here is I meditate on them think about them. The invitation is to go Really, really slow, because when you go slow, you build the muscle to hear from god 's voice, like how many of us the last time you were at the gym or if you 've been at the gym a long time, like you see the person in the corner just freaking out the ribs and pushing really fast, and like, "Oh my gosh, that person's really fast, and then you start thinking that person don 't know what they 're doing at all <laughs> like they 're just trying to get through whatever that is, because researchers show time and time again that when you 're going slow and you 're focusing on what you 're supposed to doing and you're concentrating on just what's right in front of you, you will build more muscle over the long heart than just plowing and going through it. And I think it's the same implications with the scripture, is that you and I are designed, there's an invitation for you and I to meditate on God's word, to let that soak into us so that we can build the spiritual muscle to hear from God's voice. The Bible is not something to be conquered but a relationship to be enjoyed. It's not something we just fight to get through, but it's an invitation for a relationship to be enjoyed. Look at, Let's look at verse 101. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may, may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from any of your regulations. Listen to this part. If you have your Bibles, please underline this next part because it's really, really, it's the the bottom floor of all of this. It says this. For you have taught me well. Did you see the relationship that happens when David engages the scriptures that God himself becomes the teacher. Hear that, that when you engage the scriptures, that it says that God himself will become the teacher. That when you engage the scriptures, that when you commit yourself to meditating on them, that it is actually God's voice that God becomes the teacher and orchestrator of that time, right? It is unbelievable, unbelievable that God himself will come alive through these pages and become your teacher. Let's finish it up. Let's look at verse 103. It says this, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Listen to verse 105, it's just it's, just beautiful. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light into my path. When was the last time you went running through a dark room? I mean, completely dark room. You don't do that. Because when it's dark, you go slow because you can't see. The imagery here that David talks about is a, is a light into his path, a, a guide for his feet. And what the imagery that you see here is that the scriptures, when you engage the scriptures, it illuminates, not the room, did you catch that part? It illuminates the path, just, what, just what's right in front of you, just your next step. Whatever God is calling to, he illuminates that so that you and I can begin to walk that out by faith. And David says you cannot do that when you hurry and you just go rushing. You have to go slow and meditate on God's words. I don't know who said it, but I think this is absolutely true. Go ahead. Uh, It says reading, uh, or I'll say it too, reading the Bible without meditating upon it is like trying to eat without swallowing. Do you see that image there of just shoving things in your mouth and expecting it to grow you without letting it swallow and go down into... uh, let it give you the nutrients and let it give you what is required for you to grow and to become healthy. That's what meditating, that's what going slow with God, God's word does to us. And so rather than just talk about that this morning, here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna teach you just there are lots of different ways to engage the scriptures, lots and lots of really valuable ways, but I wanna teach you just one really simple way that I want us to maybe engage God's scripture together. So whether you are an expert and you've been studying God's word for a really long time, or you have stumbled in this morning, maybe uh, as somebody that says, I don't have a lot of experience walking around in God's word. I wanna teach you just one really simple, practical way that you can begin to hear God's active voice in this world by engaging his scriptures. Because the truth is, there are lots of voices in this world, and not all of the voices are for you. And you are created and designed to hear from God. Not hearing from God is abnormal. If you have a relationship with God the Father, we should be, as his children, able to recognize and to hear God's voice. That does not mean that there might not be seasons or be periods where it seems a little quieter, but you and I are designed, created to hear his voice and then respond out of that place. And so I wanna to talk to you just one really simple way that I think that we can put into place to hear God's voice. It's called uh, Lectino Divina, which means actually a divine reading. It's a very, very simple way of approaching the scriptures to approaching a couple verses at a time. It's a stripped down approach, whether you have been following Jesus since like Moses was in diapers or whether you just uh, have been uh, brand, brand new, you can do this. God will speak to you. And here's kind of what the outline looks like. Um, First thing you're gonna do is you're gonna remove. You're gonna remove all distractions. And so for me, uh, I have two small girls and it's crazy. It is, my house is crazy, it is nuts. And so most of the time that's at nighttime for me where the house is quiet, my wife has gone to bed, the girls have gone to sleep and I'll turn off the TV, I'll put away my phone, I'll put away every type of distraction. Sometimes uh, I'll just begin to breathe slowly and close my eyes and to begin to tune out all the other stuff because it's gonna be there when I get done. Or I'll put on maybe a worship song and I'll just begin to center myself, I'll let go of all of my agenda, all of my stuff that I've got to get God to do for me, and I'll just remove all of that, just ready and willing to receive just from him. And then after that, I'll spend uh, just a couple of verses I'll spend just a couple of minutes reading some verses. I'll read two, three, four, five, six verses at a time and I'll Think through those, and as I'm reading the scriptures, what I'm doing as I'm asking God, would you highlight stuff? Would you bring stuff to the surface? Um, So at the start of this next school year, um, our community is going to be going through the Book of Romans. So I've been spending a lot of time in the Book of Romans, kind of preparing. And um, one of the phrases that keeps coming up over and over through the Book of Romans is, "There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus." And as I have been reading that, it just gets highlighted and it gets brought to the surface, and so what I do is I just hold on to that and I reflect on that just for a couple of seconds. I reflect, God, what do you what does that mean? Why are you highlighting there 's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus because i 'm like you. I walk around saying stupid things, things i shouldn 't say, I say too much or i don 't say enough or I say th- or I do things I shouldn 't have done. Or I leave things undone. And so it's God, thank you. Thank you that there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I'll hold that, and then what I do is I just set it aside. I don't try to figure out all the meaning to it, I don't try to figure out all of that stuff. I'll just set it aside, and then I'll repeat the process. I'll clear my mind. I'll ask God to come and to speak to me, I'll remove the distractions. I'll read just a couple of verses at a time, and then I'll ask God, God, is there anything, what are you you trying to bring up, God? What are you trying to reveal? And for me, it's, John, there's no condemnation. God is a forgetful God. He remembers your sins no more. And I hold on to that. And I hold on to that for the day that when my day gets going and I start bumping up against people or I start remembering things I should have done or didn't do, that I say, no, 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 there's no condemnation. I serve a very forgetful God and I hold on to that for the day. It's really just that simple. And so here's what we're gonna do this morning. Rather than just actually talk about it, we're gonna practice that together this morning. We're gonna practice hearing God's voice. And I believe that there will be some people in here that we'll hear God's voice, maybe even for the very first time this morning. Maybe the very first time. For some of us, it may be, it's been a really long time. But I've been praying and I believe that God's voice, you are designed to hear God's voice. And so we're gonna practice doing that together this morning by using this little formula called Lecta Divina. And it's not a, there's lots of great ways to approach the scripture. There's a hundred different ways, ones I could have picked and there's not some magic formula to get God to talk to you, but this is just one one simple way that we as followers can push in to hear God's heart. And so I want us to practice that together this morning. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to center yourself and just close your eyes just for a second. And I want you to remove all of the distractions. Forget about Father's Day. It will be there in a few minutes. Forget about all of your to do's for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week. Just close your eyes. Put down your agenda. something gets brought up or a phrase gets highlighted or you just can't let go of it, hold on to that. Just hold on to it just for a second. As I read, let's read. From 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person old life is gone a new life has begun all of this is a gift it's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ God has given us this task of bringing other people back to him. For God was created in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are Christ ambassadors God is making his appeal through us we speak for Christ when we say come back home For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. So just hold on to it. What got brought to the surface? What phrase, what word got highlighted? And now, just set it aside just for a second. And we're going to read one more time real slowly through it. And let's be listening for the voice of God. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ Brand new. That old life is gone, and a new life has begun. This is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful beautiful message of reconciliation. Christ ambassadors God is making his appeal through you you speak for Christ when we plead come back home come back to God for God made Christ who never sinned Be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so just take a second and respond. Whatever little phrase or key word got brought up, just take a second. Whatever words you can get out, just tell God. Respond to God. Thank him for speaking. Brothers and sisters, I wanna encourage you, whatever got highlighted, whatever got brought to the surface, you hold on to that. You take confidence. That is not just a random idea. That That is as what David says, that God himself is teaching you. You are hearing his voice. You can, you are designed to respond to him. You hold that tight. You keep it tucked away all week long When things begin to fight for your affection and your heart and your desires? No, I've heard from God. I hear his voice. I'm confident that I know him, that he's spoken to me this morning. That's it. It's that simple. It is that simple and yet that profound. Can you imagine if you and I were the type of community that had this regular rhythm built into our lives where we were taking, that took us three or four minutes, that simple, where you and I were the type of community that just carved aside some time to meet with him, to read some scripture, to tune our ears in, to hear his voice. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Uh, I love that we are a community that does not just talk about things, but that we try to walk them out with our feet. And so here's what I want you to do. Will you get out your phones right now? Uh, Grab your phones, and here's what I want you to do. Uh, We did this practice called Lecta Divina, which is just this uh, ancient way of approaching the scripture. And so here's what I would love for you to do. Um, I've set up through just our text messaging service at the church that for just the next five days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if you text Romans to that phone number for the next five days, we'll send you the outline that we followed and then we'll send you just a little chunk of scripture for you to do exactly what we did today. It's really that simple. But can you imagine if we began to build this muscle into us that we were the type of people, you were the type of person that was responding auto- to, the, to the voice of God on a regular basis? I think that this is gonna be a really good practice for us. And so please make sure that you're taking advantage of it. Text Romans to that number right there and we'll send you just a paragraph of scripture uh, for the next five days for us to practice hearing from God's word. And so we'd love for you to consider doing that.